When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're back for part two of our season review and the last of them uh, on the quarterback position, which is largely a review of Omar Jackson's year. We'll talk a little bit about Tyler Huntley on this episode. Here to do that with me is Jordan Coe. Jordan, how you doing? Good, Ken. Thanks for having me here. Pleasure as always, Jordan. Always great to talk football with you. Boy, we got all, some shots that went well wide of the pin in that first episode, but we we hope still some some good uh, discussion about the relative tag difficulty of Lamar Jackson and Justin Matabike. You might want to go back and listen to that about some of the spreading of the field and how that benefited Lamar in other ways, like going to the tight ends and all the effectiveness he had that, despite the fact it was many fewer targets. Jordan talked a little bit about running back injuries being one of the reasons why the Ravens couldn't be the kind of dominant steamrolling offense they were in 2019, but more of a sputtering but yet explosive offense that still was fifth in the league in points per drive, which is good, but it's just not as great as the Ravens were uh, four years ago. Talked a little bit about Todd Mockett. Anyway, great listen. Go go download that and uh, and take a listen to that one first here, and I'm sure you won't um, – won't be out of uh, be out of sorts here where we're starting, but I think we'll, we'll get back to a little bit. We talked a little bit about the, the 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 loss of a step, the changes in the run game, but I think one of the really nice things this year is Lamar's changes on extended plays, and specifically that there wasn't one guy that he had to go to. And we've seen in past years that's been Mark Andrews a high percentage of the time that he's gone to. And I mean, I think we can all if if I name. Six players here, you, you should each have a play that comes to mind for each of these guys. But Aguilar, touchdown in the end zone on the extended play. Uh, it was like nine seconds almost. Flowers, numerous extended plays, uh, really became quite the target. Andrews himself, of course, still a target, of course. How about how about Gus Edwards on that 80-yard pass? And it wasn't the only time he found space behind the defense as a play extended. Uh, you know, Bateman turned out to be a guy who could come back for the football, work his way all the way across the field on a couple of plays. Um, and then Isaiah Likely. I mean, one play that I think we're all going to take from this from this season as a memory is Likely going up in double coverage and coming down with a football that Lamar threw under heavy duress. Yeah, that was a tremendous play against Jacksonville. <laughs> you know, the, the extended place has been, you know, 
a really you know, Lamar's always had the capability to do that. And I, I think that we're in for more of that next year because I think teams have this really difficult decision about blitzing or not blitzing. Um, and not every team has the secondary that the Chiefs have. And so if you're going to go heavy up front and the Ravens are going to throw the ball against you, Lamar has found his way to be able to beat the blitz and do so in devastating fashion and do so quickly. The Detroit game is the one that comes to mind. Yes. They decided they wanted to bring pressure and he just ripped them because they didn't have the secondary for it. Um, so I guess if you've got the secondary for it, then you've got a great defense and that's a different conversation altogether. Um, but I think you're going to see game plans where the Ravens have their checks and they're ready. And that's another credit to Munkin having Lamar be prepared against the blitz in a way that we have not seen um, in years past. What does that do? It reduces the number of guys that you see rushing the passer. And then these guys like to, they have to play contain against Lamar. They can't crash in. They can't run all the way up the field. He, Lamar can't know that he's run past them, right? Um, and in those instances, he's going to burn you as well. And so if that's going to happen, then Lamar's going to have four to five seconds in the pocket whenever he wants. It's almost like changing the name of the game of how much time a quarterback has before he has to get rid of the ball. Because there have definitely been moments, and I think you and I have watched games together, where there have been times where they're like, Lamar, you, like, you got to get rid of the ball. Um, and he doesn't. And then four seconds later, 50 yards of magic happen. Um, and I don't think that's I don't think that's going away in terms of what we're going to see from Lamar in this offense anytime soon. So we just watched a Super Bowl that we didn't want to watch. And we noticed that that uh, Nick Bosa was really in charge of containing that Lamar uh, Mahomes uh, right on a lot of plays and trying to keep him in the pocket. What that does in order of neutralizing Nick Bosa as a pass rusher cannot be overlooked. And I think the Ravens did a really good job this year at times um, really getting some good pass rushes slowed down. San Francisco was one of them in terms of forcing their guys past the pocket. And, and it becomes a, a, a something the tackle can really take to the bank is you can cheat towards the inside because if they're maintaining lane integrity, they're, they're, they really don't want to be blocked 12 to 6. They don't want to have to try and come back and get the quarterback. That's a recipe for Lamar having a 20-yard run. Uh, so they don't want to let that happen. And what it means is that tackle is able to cheat to the inside and, and defend heavier on the inside, almost force you to try and take that step outside. Then that defensive player, that edge player, doesn't know if he's being hoodwinked under the system to, to, to just basically clear a rush lane for Lamar. It was even that much more when Keaton Mitchell's on the team and you had the possibility of draws under those circumstances. And, you know, you'd have an edge rusher who who basically just could not take a chance on, on getting caught outside. And, and uh, uh, Mitchell caught a few teams on tape very effectively at being, you know, over rushing basically and creating a, a, a huge level two opportunity for him. And he didn't miss on his level two opportunities this year. Yeah, absolutely. The. The sky is the limit for the diversity of where this offense can go. They've done a lot of things in a lot of different ways. They need to learn how to compact them in together and process them quickly and get the calls in quickly and give Lamar the discretion to be able to get everybody adjusted. If they do, uh, the way Lamar runs the ball is just uh, this, this offense at full capacity and full health should be unstoppable behind Lamar. And and so it, it'll be very interesting to see kind of how they play those things out in 2024. But his ability to extend plays makes 
is what breaks the whole thing because you can hold up coverage for three and a half seconds. You can not get pressure. You can assume the pocket would break down at that point. And that's the point where defenses count on all of that happening. And so when Lamar can extend it past that, that that's the game breaker. You know, most quarterbacks, they aren't better with more time. And Lamar is, is that rare bird who, when you, when you include, particularly when you include the scrambles and I, I'm not sure if most systems, they, they really do include the scrambles. If they, you know, they typically talk things like passer rating or this or that, but if you include the scrambles, you obviously you're getting a lot of value there that is, is part of, of having an extended play. One thing, one stat I've been a big proponent of is the force not to pass stat. And I came up with this in 2019 and Lamar was incredibly when you combined his scrambles and the times he was sacked, uh, he had 5.6 yards per play on those in 2019. That includes all of his sacks, but also all of his scrambles, which is just that jaw-dropping number to me. He's still good now, but he's at down to 2.6 yards. Um, so he got sacked 37 times for 218 yards, which is not bad, especially in terms of the yards per yards lost per sack. And then he scrambled 72 times for 498 yards. So pretty high percentage of his total yards came on scrambles this year as opposed to design runs. But, you know, that is one element of Lamar's game that will probably never be back to the same level, no matter how well the Ravens spread the field and no matter how much they try and manipulate uh, edge defenders in this way, they're probably going to be countermeasures put in place between spies and, um, and other things to preclude that from ever being as good again. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that or if the Ravens can develop a passing game that goes over the top of that. I mean, the, the thing about spies is that that it means there's one fewer pass rusher or it means there's one fewer guy dropping in pass defense. And so that seems to be the next thing that, you know, the Ravens got, I won't call it lucky, but there seemed to be a tendency early from some teams to not want to try and spy Lamar and the Ravens sliced them up when they did that. Um, They need to figure out what they're doing to ensure that they continue to kind of have that same efficiency level when that spy comes back in. The the chiefs went to two spies at the end of the game, a lot of three man rush with two spies. Um, It is something the Ravens need to be prepared to deal with, but I, I do think some of the, some of the success of the tight ends this year, probably can be attributed to that as well. You know, if you if you use a spy, you got to know how to use a spy. And I think it what it means basically against Jackson is that that spy needs to be responsible for outside contain on the side that the pocket is broken basically immediately. And it's very hard. You, you anticipation comes with that. And if Lamar were able to to see that that's what that spy was doing irregularly and I think that's Wasa Koromoa and Wilson, we've seen that from in the division in particular. Um I think if he, if he could detect that that's going on, there's ways he could manipulate it and use the middle of the field even more. So, you know, if you're, if you're wondering like, you know, how does that, how does that space get any more valuable to Lamar? That, that, that could be one way. All right. Uh, Lamar's leadership on the field. I'll, I'll, you start us off on that. What were you, what were you happy with? Maybe what you're not happy with. Oh, I, there's, I'm happy with all of it. I think that you can't be, you can't be, less excited less excited about how this team is going to move forward with a more vocal leader in terms of what he's getting i think this professional approach um and his and how he brought that to the team he's still fun and funny and joking around at times but there are also times where he 
is setting the tone and saying, this is serious. This is about getting to the Super Bowl. This is just about running up the score in some of these games. Um, obviously, vocal on the field also means some of the checks, some of the recognition, involvement in the play calling and involvement in the game planning before they get there. I think that that's an underrated value of any offensive player. Um, the more voice that they get in that process, the more like you're just saving time, right? Like the NFL is all about on a week to week basis for these games is about how much time do you have to get ready for this next game, right? Yeah. If you can save three hours of film review and three hours of preparation, you can lock in five to six plays out of the playbook that your quarterback and probably the players that he wants to run those with are already on the same page about. Um, you're, you're winning that time back in the process. You get that from a more vocal leader in the process. I think we're only going to see a continued more vocal Lamar in this process. And I think we're just getting the stunted growth of what a lot of other quarterbacks have in their bag and their ability when they're, when they're given the keys immediately in this process. Um, and, and this is just the natural evolution of what we were going to see from this. Um, yeah. I think you didn't see, you didn't see an overly vocalized Patrick Mahomes as a rookie, but you see a vastly overlie, <laughs> over vocalized Patrick Mahomes now. Um, and so uh, there's nothing but good that can come of that, in my opinion. I, th you know, by the way, completely on balance, very positive. I'll, I'll say Coach Evans had a good comment he used to make on the show about how when Lamar was not able to run the same way, he'd become Russell Wilson. That was actually a compliment at the time. Russell Wilson now is kind of a kind of a pejorative quarterback in in some ways, the way things are. But he's, he certainly was a great quarterback when when Coach made the top topic and. Uh, I, I made the comment, and I think that um, uh, Lamar has some of that in him. You know, he's become a, a better field general in a lot of ways. There are elements of his comportment that certainly have improved, and and some that have slipped as well. Now, last year, you know, punting the football after a I don't think it was a delay of game penalty. That, that's just that's over the top, stupid. I mean, just you could have gotten flagged for delay of game on the play. Um, I think it was it was it was a delay of game that actually occurred, but he could have gotten flagged for for you know, unsportsmanlike conduct or something for, for after the play it, on, on the um, uh, this year, probably the biggest on field expression of leadership was him not taking Ronnie Stanley's hand after Ronnie failed to make a block for him ahead. And that was of course the game where Ronnie came back and made a big uh, touchdown um, block for him. And, and I, to me, I'm okay with that kind of leadership, but there is a there is a limit. You use a currency when you do it, and particularly you should, you you probably use a currency with certain types of players. Not sure exactly where Stanley fits in with that. Stanley may understand well enough that that was completely justified at the time, um, or he may feel like man, he really he really he's laying all that on me. And I I, I don't know if you're if if you're Bateman or you're Beckham or you're Flowers. If that's as easy to take, it's probably easier for an offensive lineman to understand, yeah, I, I screwed up that time. I get a ton of at-bats, but that one I screwed up, um, and I, I have to come back from that. Yeah, I, I mean, he can be and have some a little bit of like immature tendencies from time to time, but we've seen Tom Brady break iPads. We've seen all I mean, you saw Travis Kelsey in Andy Reid's face during the yeah, Super Bowl. That was... I mean, these like, <laughs> like these like to act like Lamar doing these kind of things is just only Lamar doing that in the league. I mean, it, we're we're putting him under a microscope by reviewing the entire balance of the season. But I think it's it gets pretty tough to get through an entire NFL season without having probably five of those moments. Um, and you hope that 
you hope as few of them are caught on camera as possible. <laughs> that that is very, very, very true. Nice thing for for the the Chiefs and Taylor Swift is anything that happens after a play almost never gets caught because they have to switch to switch to Taylor Swift in the in the booth. By the way, I, am I upset that Taylor Swift was on on camera for forty seconds? I'm not. I'm upset that it's twenty times two seconds that we're missing post play emotion, which is the most valuable time you can have in terms of understanding what went wrong on a play is to see what players are talking to each other. I don't care what Taylor Swift thinks about the play. I want to know what that, what the Ravens cornerbacks think about whose responsibility it was to cover Travis Kelsey on that play and, and see if they, you know, how they messed up. That's just, that's my two cents on that shit situation there. <laughs> the uh, Ravens did a great job in terms of, of, taking the stretch run, basically taking the MVP for Lamar with both their defense and their offense. Obviously, the offense played great down the stretch. They beat everybody who was in front of them, and they beat some of the other MVP candidates, most notably McCaffrey and and Purdy in the big game in San Francisco. Yeah, I mean, Lamar is an MVP competitive player in a 17-game season every single year. Um, and depending on the quality of the defense, I think is really going to tell you a lot about where that ranks. I think the worse you get this inverse correlation, that the worse the defense is going to play, the better season you're going to see statistically overall from Lamar because yes. you have to. The Ravens love to grind the the time down on the clock. They love to not have their offensive players taking a lot of plays. They love to do all that kind of stuff. And so if they're winning, they're going to like under John Harbaugh, they're going to do it. We, we all might hate it, but they're going to do it. That's going to be the approach. That's the plan. That's what it is. Get on board or root for another team. <laughs> it's, it's, it's basic fantasy football logic is that you want a good receiver on a bad team. That's right. ideal. So get Andre Hopkins because he's your guy. Cause you know, first of all, he's the, <laughs> Yeah, it's and and uh, it's uh, it, it, the notion that Lamar Jackson needs to get a four thousand yard season is just so stupid, just so freaking stupid. And there's this: we know I, I, the best thing in the world would be if if Lamar plays seventeen games and doesn't have a four thousand yard season, because then you know the Ravens, you know, are dominating game after game. Uh, it, it really wouldn't happen otherwise. Uh, anyway, frustrating as hell. Yeah, Lamar, and La- you know what? Lamar's got two MVPs now. He's got all but one vote in two years on those. I bet you if you asked him point blank and he was being honest, he could give a crap less about any future MVPs. At this point, the only MVP that he's going to care about winning is Super Bowl MVP. Like the rest of it, like he was, I, I'm sure, look, I think Lamar will win another MVP in this league because I think he's that dynamically talented. I think it's very possible he wins more than one. Um, and I'm sure he'll be happy to take those accolades. Um, but at the end of the day, that, that I do think that he is really locked in on the Super Bowl, and I think that I think he's going to be really locked in next year because of that too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what does what does Lamar need to do for 2024? That's the next set of questions we'll really want to get into here. And so we'll talk about what Lamar, and then what the Ravens, if they really have anything they need to do in terms of their backup quarterback position, I guess is something we want to discuss. But uh, in terms of mechanics, you know. I, my my first thought is that he, he needs to continue whatever he's doing in terms of off-season programs that improve his mechanics. 
Yeah, whatever whatever he did leading into this year is great. <laughs> I mean, Lamar threw the ball fantastic this year from all different art angles. His recognition around a lot of that stuff was great. I think that, you know, you take you take the fumble and the Chiefs game as the trade-off of kind of those extended plays, but that like none of that seemed to be overly technical. I mean, the, the if you look at the improvement from 2018 until now and how Lamar throws the ball, it's phenomenal. I mean, there were Definitely plays in 2018 where he threw the ball into the ground, where he's looking at a guy that is 15 yards away from him. There's nobody between them, and he throws the ball into the ground. And now you don't see that. Now now Lamar's putting the ball in the right spot. I mean, the throw to likely that you referenced earlier in the Jacksonville game, perfectly thrown ball for in terms of where it needed to be in that spot. There have been some other throws. I guess I would say the only thing I would like to see Lamar do a bit differently is put a little bit more air under some of these deep shots that he t- he takes to give his receivers a chance to go and get them. And then you say that, and then he does it in the, in the chiefs game and it yeah. turns into the interception. So, you know, I, 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 I would rather him be continue to be turnover averse, even if it means missing a couple of deep shots every game. You know, it, it's, that's a great point about the deep ball, because I think, you know, my view of this season is that's a problem really specific to the balls he throws to Bateman. And it's it's almost like he doesn't trust Bateman and he overthrows him far more or an order of magnitude more than any other receiver. So so yeah, I think I think it's a problem. I think Lamar has always thrown a little bit tighter of a rope in terms of those deep balls and not put timing and air under it. And so I, I think it's I don't think it's exclusive to Bateman. And I don't okay. think it's exclusive to this year. <laughs> Well, well, fair enough. This this year, uh, I, I I mean, it's one of the things I really want for in twenty four is for him to have a higher degree of deep ball trust in Bateman to come back and get the football. And Bateman has actually done pretty well coming back underneath. He hasn't been perfect or anything. The passer rating throwing to him was not great for the for the whole year. So I'm, I'm not saying that everything is 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 perfect or not. But he's a very important player for the Ravens to develop in year four here. Uh, I, I don't expect him, by the way, where are you on that in terms of the 50 year tag on Bateman? Um, I think it's a no. I, I think that wide receiver is there's so much. I mean, when you can get Zay Flowers at 22 to come in and be as good as he is, it just makes it really hard to pay at the wide receiver position. Um, if you're going to pay likely to stay on board as well, long-term, I think that's really, the, you know, if, if you've decided that you want that 12 personnel that you want to extend Andrews and you want to get likely, and you want them to be together for kind of like a core set of like three or four years, then I think there's not cap room on the offensive side of the ball to have Bateman here. Okay. I, I, I think it's a no also, by the way, and I think OA is a definite yes, given, given where the two of them are in their careers. But uh, but I, I did want to get your uh, get your thoughts on that. Bateman, it doesn't matter whether he's going to be in Baltimore for one year or more than that with some sort of re-signing. So some sort of, you know, they could, I mean, they still extend him after after or during year four uh, or even before year four. If if they really wanted to do that, I just think they have a lot of they have a lot of. um Fish to tend here uh, in terms of of what they do before this season starts, and particularly during the point where Matabike might be tagged, that they'll have to they'll have to kind of right. work through. But uh, but I would like to see him stay a Raven. It's, he's I think he could still be a very good receiver, and um, just the, the last two seasons, tremendously disappointed that he has not broken out to a greater degree. It's, he's made progress. It's just I'm tremendously disappointed. I- 
I, I think some of it is we've talked. I think we talked about this recently on a different podcast where we we're talking about how the Ravens seemingly in the first three years of these guys <clears throat> don't give them full scale opportunities that if they did leading up to that point, that they would be better. Rashad Bateman's openness and separation all year long has been phenomenal. That if he was Lamar Jackson's first read on every play all year long, and we got the separation that he gave us this year, the Ravens would have absolutely lit it up. And, and I don't understand the disconnect there between the coaching and getting him higher up the read chart because of that. I, 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 I've got to respond to that in a certain way. I thought that was true because I've seen on the PFF separation graphs, he's looked tremendous. And they, they, they have that. There's some other measure of separation being used because he looks terrible on the next gen separation information. And so that's XY based. And I think the others has to use that same XY data because I don't know what else there would be to give you specific amounts of separation. So here are the possibilities. One is it could be definitional, meaning one is at the time the ball is released and the other is at the time of the catch. And so, you know, some underneath receivers or whatever are getting different amounts of incremental separation because of uh, the case of either of those. Um, it's, tight ends really dominate the statistic, which which would tell me right off that it's not really, you know, speed or even route running based. It's mostly a, a case of finding soft spots and zones and things like that, that that are that are a high percentage of that. It's like six of the top 11 are, are tight ends, if I recall correctly. It might be five, but it's 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 in that neighborhood. And it's not uh, – Zay Flowers was was in the top 15 or so, but Bateman was down about the 30th percentile on the next-gen stats. So something to look at. Uh, I would love to have somebody out there explain to me what the difference in definition is between these two measures of separation we're seeing, by the way, because I saw the same thing you did, Jordan, in terms of, of you know, well, getting good separation. That's the eye test, I think, on of separation when I'm watching games too. So it's not just, and when I'm when you go back and you watch the all 22. So it's not just like I've seen the same PFF stat that you have, but there are five to six times a game that Rashad Bateman is glaringly open. And he is far enough down the rechart that he's just not going to get the ball. And it doesn't like, and it doesn't even matter. And so it's just, I, I just don't know how a lay person like me can see that and how the Ravens coaching staff can see that and how they can not figure out some way to adjust something to at least make him the quick first read or trying like, like it just, it seems like one of those ones where if Lamar had a few more throws to him per game early that were easy throws and they got into a rhythm together and Lamar trusted him to look to him, they could take advantage of it. I, I just, I, you know, it, it just seems peculiar to me. Yeah. I mean, it, it- the future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the hefty renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. 
all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It, it certainly makes sense, and it certainly is a great thing to work on when you make the earlier point that I think there's more juice to squeeze from Lamar. Yeah. So, uh, you know, one thing that's probably going to be true next year is the Ravens are not going to be playing with the lead as often because they pretty much led every game this year until until the last one. They led every game in the last two minutes. So, uh, you know... The, the the only counter to that is that they will they cannot face as tough a schedule. So they faced this year, they only played three teams the whole year with losing records. It's just incredible when you when you really when you really think about that. Um uh, and we know they went what eleven and three, ten and four, whichever it was, against teams with with winning records during the regular season, and then uh uh one and one during the playoffs, obviously. But but it's uh um I I don't think they're they're likely to play with the lead as often in 24. I just, I, you know, some of that depends on what they try and do with the offense as well and whether they are a bit more aggressive and high octane earlier in some of these situations. But I tend to agree with you. It's just, I mean, no matter what, like any combination of how you want to cut that, it's going to be hard to be that dominant. <laughs> and they, they, they also have to continue to be as dominant defensively. And I think they'll, they, almost certainly have to take a step back defensively somehow from being one of the greatest defenses that even the Ravens have ever seen. Not the greatest, but, but you know, one of the top four defenses the Ravens have ever had probably this year. Uh, and I, I just, I, I don't think they're going to be able to replicate that with all the loss in personnel that they're, they're facing right now. But their out of division schedule is not, nearly as menacing looking overall when you kind of take a look at it. You've got the Commanders, the Broncos, uh, Raiders, Giants. Play play the AFC West and the NFC East, right? That's right. And then they play the Bucks as their one versus one matchup, which is the best possible one V one matchup. Whereas last year they got two V two and it ended up being the Lions. Yeah. So that's a, that's a, that's a tough one. Yeah, it's this. It's just a, a weird circumstance to have to play the NFC West, the AFC South, which ended up being pretty uniformly balanced and good 
this year, but but not you know not great overall because they had Tennessee, but but uniformly balanced and good. And then you get the Lions, who are an up and coming team. It just it was a bad co- and the and the NFC West, uh, tough tough group. All right, um, talk about a little bit about working through progressions. Anything you'd like to see there different from Lamar? Yeah, you know, part of me wants to see him be able to recognize when he needs to check down and when he could run the ball and pick up six, seven, eight, 12 yards um, and just take it in those circumstances. There were probably six instances of that in the Kansas city game that if he would have done that, it would have made all the difference in the world. Um, And I think that that mentality can be pervasive with the offense. So I think that Zay flowers extending for the touchdown, for example, when you have trust that your team can move the ball, when you don't feel like you're pressing, when you don't always feel like you're trying to hit the touchdown on every single play, when you're doing that can bring a sense of calm to the, to an offense. Um, when they feel like they can move the ball and they can feel like they can stay in rhythm and they can feel like they can stay in front of the chains the way they need to. They've done that historically at times. And Lamar has been great in some of those moments. It felt like there are just times this year where he really was, you know, and, and the look, the fumble in the Chiefs game that they lost, that was going to be a touchdown to Rashad Bateman. He was he was wide open. There was there was a chasm between him and the closest defender. And if Ronnie Stanley holds up for half a second longer, it's a touchdown. And the game is completely different. I think that, you know, and, and it doesn't play out the same way it plays out as a result of that. Um you're not actually pegging that on Stanley because it was an extended pocket, but you're, right. You're, no, 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 I'm not. I, I'm, I'm just saying that if his protection had lasted half, half a second longer, it would have been a touchdown. Right. And so that's the trade-off that you're taking, right. Which is that we've seen Lamar extend that very same play and turn it into a touchdown several times this year. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you just have to decide where you are on the spectrum of all of that. And you got to pick and choose your spots, how many times you want to do that. And I think that that's coaching and preparation as you go into games where it's like, we're going to, wear them down we want to run more plays we want to see what they're doing we want to idea it we want to attack it not because we saw it happen on the field but because we know it's coming in the first place um and if you could get lamar that would be the only mentality shift that i'd want to change but you can still go through your progressions quickly those things could not be there and lamar is going to extend the play for six or seven seconds and do something catastrophic or amazing (laughs) on whichever side the outcome ends up coming to be even as a result of that. So I don't think you're taking away some of the explosive plays that can come as a result of that by saying that when you can get to a third and two, you should almost always take that in exchange of not knowing what's going to happen for two seconds on an NFL field. Right. Sure. I mean, I, I think, I, I, yeah, definitely with Lamar Jackson, I, I want third and two all day long, pretty much uh, in terms of, of getting opportunities, even though that does kind of limit your first and second down offense to not giving you a lot of yards. The Ravens have certainly, you know, proved in, in, in 2019, at least that's a, that's a winning formula. Um, did think that, that the, the loss of Andrews really helped him move through different progressions of different orders. So I think we saw some of that uh, as the season progressed, it did look like Beckham was his go-to guy as the receiver for a good long while. Flowers was more of a gadget guy, really liked the way that they, they changed having flowers be a down the field threat more as the season went on. Oh yeah. Say flowers and Lamar Jackson are going to have a lot of yards and a lot of touchdowns together when this is all said and done. Um, I think that as he becomes the primary read for Lamar from a wide receiver perspective with Andrews on board and with likely evolving that he has, I, I just, 
it's going to be really hard for teams to defend that. All right. Uh, great stuff. Um, let's talk about game management skills a little bit. And maybe just talk about some things you'd like to see from Lamar in in um, in in that way. And maybe we'll each take, take turns naming one. You want to start? Sure. I, I would like to see the run, Ravens run more no huddle. I know that they I know that they hate to do it because they think it runs down the clock. And there's nothing that there's nothing in the rules that say if you run no huddle, you have to snap the ball as soon as you get to the line of scrimmage, right? Um, I want them to get, and I mentioned this earlier, I want them to be able to get to the line. And let's say that they are in a two tight end personnel like they were against the Chiefs, where they have a loaded box, they got eight guys in the box. I want to see them split out four wide put both tight ends into slot positions, force those defenders to spread out, and then give Lamar a choice to look and see if he thinks the running angles are there on a draw. He's got the isolated pass opportunity to Likely or to Andrews. If they're going to give extra coverage there and they're going to press on the outside, is someone going to get beat over the top? Give him the time in those situations to make those adjustments and be able to flex in and out of those spaces. You've got the personnel to do it now. But you've got to get to the line of scrimmage faster. They, they were better about getting the calls in more quickly. But I think they've got to do an even better job of that if they really, really, really want to take advantage of it. Yeah, I mean, one of the one of the big advantages of it, and the Patriots offense certainly understood this when they had two tight ends, is that you freeze the defensive personnel. And you 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 force them to leave the personnel on the field. And if they try and, and switch out, you'll catch them with 12 men on the field. And it's an easy five yards. If you if you go ahead and get those guys to the line of scrimmage, just as Jordan said, you can take as long as you want to reestablish that what your formation looks like. Well, as long as you want within reason. Um, but part of that <laughs> has to come with the 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 relay of that play has to be quick enough or of it, ha- it has to be of a different nature that all you're doing is calling a formation that basically you know, is is like choice A or something you're saying. And everybody knows what that means in terms of formation. You go there, Lamar has two or three plays he can call at the line of scrimmage. He makes one of the calls while everybody's up there up front. And then uh, you go ahead and run that. I, I I would love for the offense to be run that way. Um, but there, there, are, there have been in the past anyway, problems getting that relay made into the huddle um, in time. And obviously, if you want to run no huddle, you can you can just do that at the line of scrimmage. Um, it's it's at times that seemed like a lot for Lamar to handle. I think he did a better job of it in 2023, but I still wouldn't say he's he's all the way there yet into like a Mahomes or Brady level of commanding that sort of offense. But that's also why I've got to do it quickly because you have the offensive coordinator is allowed to be in Lamar's helmet, I think, until like, what, 12 or 14 seconds to the play clock. Mm -hmm. So it's not when they break the huddle, they break the communication. The offensive coordinator can still be in his ear as they're running to the line of scrimmage. So Lamar doesn't even have to be the one that is seeing and identifying all of that. He can, it can be his part to see one part of it, the offensive coordinator together, they can work on that and communicate it together, get to the line of scrimmage and then have your couple checks and what you want to do with that. So I don't think that, I don't think the Ravens should run. It should, I mean, the Patriots in their kind of in the Gronk Hernandez era, were running that all the time and mm-hmm. running full, no huddle, three quarters of the game and just keeping that pressure up on you. I don't think that's something the Ravens are going to do, but it's something that when it's not working or when they want to catch teams off guard or when they need, when they need to score. Like I think there were times in this chiefs game where I wanted to see something like that, where what felt like the push to, to do more was the push to throw down the ball down the field more, as opposed to 
get to the line of scrimmage and pressure the defense more. They were, they, they, and, and they've got to figure out, I think, a counter to that. And being quicker to the line of scrimmage, I think, can help them with that. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm buying all that. I love the, I love the idea of, of running that it will mean, you know, basically no huddle or sugar huddle to probably freeze that freeze that uh, defensive personnel, but 12 incredibly good kind of personnel to have on the field to freeze the opponent. Cause you could do a lot of things with 12 or 13 for that matter, in terms of different ways you align that once you have three wide receivers on the field, it's pretty well set. How you're how you're going to line up? You don't have a lot of different options, so uh, twelve is a great place to be. Uh, I'd like to see him read the defense better at the line of scrimmage. Um, that's still something I, I think. Again, I think he's improved, but I think that could be another focus of off-season uh, film work and and some mechanical work that he might do is to to try and be loud at the line of scrimmage and be able to do that uh, to change the play to be able to do it silent when you're on the road, to do all the things that that you could take advantage of in terms of, of being an Atlanta scrimmage quarterback. And I think some of that has to sync with play calling. I think we're going to see a big improvement of that this year with Munkin being in year two. Um, part of the reason why Reed, Mahomes, and Kelsey work so well together is the longevity of how long they've been doing it together. Um, they're able to kind of move around, no certain formations, no certain defenses. They've had plays against certain formations and things that they've done and route combinations that they've done, they've already seen together. And so they know how to adjust to them on the fly. Some of that is just going to have to happen in games and you're just going to have to pay the price of learning it at certain times. And if learning it in this chiefs game last, you know, a few weeks ago was the way that they did that. Great. Um, But I think that there, I don't think that we'll see. I don't think, I think it will take to at least 2025 to get Lamar to the level that we're talking that you're talking about only because he was so stunted from I realistically 18, 19 and 20 were years where I don't think he was being taught to read defenses like that. And not just not being taught, not putting in situ game situations where he learned it in the game. It gets imprinted into your memory because of what happened and learn to adjust. Well, you know, it's a, it's a fair question to ask has Lamar in general, his ability to lead on field been reduced by the fact that the Ravens have almost never needed him to do so in terms of game situation. They've almost had so few comebacks in his career, and yet Lamar's still got an incredible record. That's obviously a matter of they're just getting the lead early and keeping it. And, they, and that the, the statistics for Lamar having the lead at halftime are remarkable um, in terms of how often he's done it and how often he retains the the, the lead from that point. Um, it's just it's something that that you know obviously potentially can put you in not situations where you need to have fourth quarter game winning drives, which by the way, really stupid way to rank quarterbacks relationally in terms of, of how valuable they are. The whole quarterback value to win concept is, is a silly one for a lot of reasons that you've heard a lot of like, and even Kurt Warner, who I think is kind of dumb in terms of his criticisms of Lamar um, has come out and said, he's like, you know, I've led what would have been game winning comebacks, but the other team scored right before in, in not very much time on the other side of that. And that was the difference between me winning two, one Super Bowl and winning two Super Bowls. Right. Um, and, and whatever that looks like. So it, it is very silly that it's executed that way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, this, this is a year where Lamar wasn't bad on interceptions, obviously, but there were still a fair amount of turnovers by the Ravens in terms of the fumbles. And, uh, you know, some of that we saw earlier was mesh point difficulty, 
Uh, and particularly had some with Justice Hill, where he took he got the fumble, but the ball never really got properly into the mesh point. Uh, still something Lamar can work on, something Hill needs to work on, something other running backs need to work on. Um, could be a new running back, obviously, um, this year in terms of of somebody they they want to put the ball into the mesh point with. Uh, it's kind of going to be an ongoing thing as long as they're going to want to pull out of that. It's the most underrated part about the Mark Ingram era of the Ravens offense. And I don't know what happened between week 10 and week 14 to Mark Ingram. There must have been some kind of minor turned more significant injury that really took some of the juice out of his game. But his ability to read that mesh point um, and effectively without communi- without saying a word, communicate openly with Lamar about what that looked like was a huge part of the effectiveness of the 2019 offense. Right. If they find a primary, like, you know, replacing, whether they bring Gus Edwards back or not, and I think Gus Edwards is a good fit for this offense is that, that kind of short yardage back anyway. So I, it's not that I want to see him gone, but prioritizing somebody that understands that mesh point and whether they, whether they know <laughs> why Ingram and Lamar had that mesh, had that kind of like, successful gelling together at the mesh point if they could replicate that with another running back that was similar to mark ingram then you're not going to pay a lot in terms of cap in terms of what you're going to get but you're going to get really good bang for your buck because those fumbles are things that that you know you you need to have go away and then you need you're going to need somebody that's going to be able to take uh, absorb a number of those snaps for you um in those situations before keith mitchell gets fully back to health and potentially after keith mitchell gets fully back to health you know, you and I went to the game out in L.A. together this year, the Chargers game. And uh, it, that was that was a game where uh, Zay Flowers on the game-winning touchdown took the ball away from Lamar. It's supposed to go the other way around. And <laughs> it, it, something something tells me, the you know, it, while it's always nice to get together and just throw the ball with other receivers – Sometimes the wrong receivers are involved in that. And with the Ravens, it was James Prochet was was a guy who was often involved. And they, it just didn't fit in the Ravens' plans. wasn't that significant. It, it seems like the Ravens, first of all, in terms of, of throwing the ball around and, and, and spending time down in Lamar's backyard or wherever they decide to go, um, wh- where Lamar lives probably, and meet on some field there to throw the ball around. Every receiver should want to do it, but it should be really important that Bateman, Flowers, Likely, you know, the, the most significant targets are there. Maybe Aguilar again, um, uh, you know, are, are, are there to try and understand just, you know, where are you going to put the football? Where do I want you to break? Where am I expecting you to break? All of that. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. All, all of those coordination things, I think, all continue to improve another year down the road within the offense, running the same plays, keeping the ones that worked, building, adding on to those things. I, I, I do think that, you know, there is plenty more. I think there's plenty more juice to squeeze, even if the Ravens were to be leading as much as they they did last year again next year. I still think that we'll see an improved performance from the same iteration of the offense. Okay. All right. I wanted to do something fun here because I think it was Jordan and I who did the quarterback preview show for the year. And it's actually, it was in one of these two player episodes, except with Lamar Jackson, he gets his own episode. So it's a one player episode, as you can see, because it takes forever to talk <laughs> about Lamar Jackson, of course. But it was, what's a good year? What's a great year? In his case, what's an off-the-chart year? I'm just going to read what I had for good before, and I think we, we probably had pretty good agreement on these. Good was, via some combination of run and pass improvements, the Ravens improved scoring efficiency to approximately 2.4 points per drive without sacrificing defensive freshness. 
Jackson's per run efficiency is high when split by scrambles and designed runs. Lamar plays 15 plus games. The Ravens make the playoffs and he's there for all postseason games. They easily cleared that hur- hurdle for a good year for Lamar Jackson, right? We agree. Very, point, very much so. <laughs> 2.48 points per drive. And by the way, you're going to see in the second one that I'm probably going to give him credit for this, but league offense was down. The uh, offense across the league was down much significantly this, this last year. So 2.48 really would have been a higher number in other years. But my great season for him was Jackson's lead the Ravens back to a points per drive of 2.65. I would say the 2.48 in 2023 points is probably worth just about that. With a good portion of the success derived from Lamar's improved distribution of the football, Lamar seamlessly handles changes in pace as needed, fast or slow. We probably got most of that. Passer, passer rating returns to 100-plus due to reduced turnovers, better playmakers, and better scheme. Malkin and Lamar are lauded as an outstanding new tandem. We hit on pretty much all of that? Yeah, that that you could have you could have written that at the end of the season almost I could have. minus a couple of like a couple of like the details of the statistics and it falls definitely within there. Yeah, you know what? It's it is out there by the way. That podcast is out there and I know I read it word for word because that's why I did a lot of these. Is <laughs> the, the off the charts one I have is we get into long heated debates about which was Lamar's greatest season, 2019 or 2023, with 2023 fans pointing to playoff success as the tiebreaker. So unfortunately, without hoisting the Lombardi, I don't think the Ravens can can do that. And they did win a playoff game. That was something. It was a step forward, I think, in, in some ways to win a divisional game. But I still don't think there's any question about whether 2019 or 23 was the greater year. Yeah, I, I, I think that the 2019 offense also, when you look at it collectively in terms of their performance, that again, if Lamar would have been a unanimous MVP this year, I would have been happy about it, but thought that there was certainly was a case to be made to vote for somebody else. Yeah. Um, and that that would have been okay if somebody had. Um, so, you know, as you look at it in kind of like this broader instance, yeah, I think this wasn't, it wasn't his greatest season. Um, but, you know, I guess the semantics of the term off the charts, it certainly if we got the p- level of performance that we get from Lamar this year for every year for the rest of his career, we're going to be very, very happy as Ravens fans. Obviously. Be, yes. Yeah, there will be. Mo- yeah, there are going to be multiple MVPs and multiple Super Bowls that are going to be on the mantle as a result of that. So I think was it better than 2019? No. Was it off the charts in that regard? Like if. Right. Like you and I would trade our souls to get this performance from Lamar Jackson for the rest of his entire career on oh, the sure. team. Right. You know, yeah. so, so in that sense, how can that not be off the charts? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you know, one, one area we didn't hit on so far was the backup quarterback situation. Where are you on Tyler Huntley and whether or not the Ravens maybe need to reset with a younger guy? I'm totally, I, I'm good with a reset. And I think the Ravens are geared up for a reset. That's why they signed, um, Oh, I can't, his name is escaping yes, me. The Malik guy from Harris, the Patriots. Malik uh, Cunningham. Yeah, Malik, yeah, or Malik Cunningham. The, the, <laughs> the other Malik. Um, yes, I, I think that he was signed with the explicit intent to move on from Tyler Huntley. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that at the end of the day, if you're asking Tyler Huntley to win you a major game in a major moment, then you're going to get a fumble this return 99 yards for a touchdown and you're going to get what you deserve. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, another game we went to together that, uh, yeah. <laughs> that is very forgettable. <laughs> but, uh, uh, all right, I'm I'm with you on that. By the way, I think uh, Huntley probably gets replaced. I'm not even sure that Malik Cunningham is the guy, but I think they'd, they'd be willing to take a flyer on a later round draft pick, maybe even an undrafted guy, and find the quarterback that, that they think could come in. And it'd be nice to have a 
Jake Browning esque kind of a, a kind of a backup for Lamar, who could who could do a little thing with a great defense. Huntley, I don't, I just don't feel like during the regular season. He's certainly been great during the preseason. He's been good at at, at other times. Uh, has ever really been uh, somebody the Ravens could could depend on. Well, and it doesn't seem like there's been the trade market that I think a lot of Ravens fans, including you and I, believe yes. that could exist for Tyler Huntley never manifested. The Ravens would have taken probably even a third or a fourth round pick this year for him if that was ever offered during any point during the year. So there's just that also tells you what the market thinks of Tyler Huntley kind of outside of Baltimore, too. Yeah. I, I I think that's 100% fair. I don't remember exactly what year we had those discussions about what would it take to get Tyler Huntley away from the Ravens. I think it was it might have been two years ago, but but uh, I hope it was because otherwise I, I feel very embarrassed about taking that kind of. <laughs> I think stance. it was two years ago. <laughs> yeah, the, the notion the notion that it would take a second round pick, I don't think I was ever I was ever behind. But uh, but anyway, still even a third that would have been an unbelievable windfall for for a player like Huntley. Yeah. All right. Always a pleasure talking football with you, Jordan. Just uh, uh, something that I appreciate every year. We're kind of at the end of our regular season content. I'm sure going to have you on for plenty of draft content. And I hope you pick a player to do on the historical uh, pods we're doing. And, and then, of course, all the preview preview work we do. But tell people where they can talk football with you. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Raven Sit Room. Always kind of looking for fun, interesting Ravens conversations. And hey, you know, at least we've got the Orioles. Ken, we got something to look forward to. There you go. Um, it's not. It's not all. Uh, it's not all clouds and <laughs> rain here in Baltimore. Yeah, looking forward to that. By the way, in a big way. Uh, other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, I want to hear from you. And any kind of uh, idea is okay during the off season. So we don't have to have. Timely topics. We can we can talk about historical topics. You can talk about trends in the game of football. You can talk about franchise building topics. You can have multi part topics if you want to talk about about things that revolve uh, involve evolution or are larger in nature. Um, happy to do that with you. Uh, just give me a DM on Twitter. They're always open. I'll get back to you very quickly and and we'll talk a little bit about your idea and how we can make that into a a, a good compelling show. Jordan, thanks again for coming on. Glad to be here, Ken. Thanks for having me. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.